stargazers, welcome to 7th House Astrology, where I take certain planets, aspects, or topics and view it with the lens of Sinistry Astrology in hopes of finding what makes a relationship's tick. I am your host, Sandra Misek. For those of you who are just joining me, well, above and beyond all welcome. I'm glad that you found me. And for those of you who are still joining me, well, welcome still. I'm glad that my podcast is very informative and very insightful for you. So for this week, Stargazers, with my topic, it's going to be on the great planet of Saturn. So yes, I'm following that uh, pattern of house, planet, in such a formation, although uh, the house last week that I'd covered or covered and just wanted to reiterate, it was the last house of the whole zodiacal wheel. Um, it was the 12th house. So if you have not checked out last week's episode, please feel free to do so. Um, it, it's really it was a really fun episode to really uh, compile for you guys. But today it'll be on Saturn, and I'm just going to be honest with you, Stargazers. Saturn has always been one of those planets that has been very, very, very tricky for me. And this has been since I first studied astrology. And uh, when we get to the general associations, you might understand why. There seems to be a lot of contradictions I think the first reason why it's a little tricky is that it's a generational planet and the generational planets are those sort of planets where unlike our personal planets, where we actually experience our, our personal planets firsthand in our chart since birth or since we start developing those generational planets are those sort of planets that we don't really tend to experience until we're later on or more mature in life and they're the more subtler aspects, so to speak. I kind of look at it this way. If the personal planets are kind of like your minor arcana in tarot, you know, where it's like you kind of get the archetypes, you get them rather quickly. I feel like the generational planets are really like the major arcana where it takes like a couple of weeks to kind of grasp a hold of the the archetypes and kind of really understand them and really kind of read them fully. But for me, Saturn has always been that one generational planet that just, it's just eluded me a lot. You know, even, even now, sometimes it, it can, it can elude me. But like, as I've said, when we get into the general associations, I think you can see why. However, I also found some great insights this week that maybe would be great um, and would help to inspire you. So I'm going to begin this episode because, um, as I've mentioned, Saturn is an elusive planet. I'm going to compare it to our other generational planet that we had covered not too long ago, um, actually at the beginning of this new year, and that would be Jupiter. You know, so when we see that Jupiter, obviously Jupiter comes before Saturn when we're taking care of the order of planets. But with Jupiter, as we had mentioned in uh, the episode a couple weeks ago, that um, it's really, its whole main goal is to be expansive and really broad thinking and really being broad-minded and really just, um, it's like everything that's like big, bold, it's like go big or go home really is, is really Jupiter. So we're dealing with things like, you know, broad things such as luck, health, prosperity um, in some cases, but also just really thinking bigger and bolder. Saturn, on the other hand, is a very, has a very sharp contrast, which is kind of ironic being right next to Jupiter. So whereas Jupiter likes to think about things that are big and bold, Saturn kind of comes in and whittles away at the big and bold idea to where they're in manageable, compartmentalized, and also reasonable I'm also trying to, I was trying to find the other word, realistic. Realistic is a big key word with Saturn. Whereas Jupiter, it's all thoughts on the table. With Saturn, it's like, let's break it down to where everything is realistic and where it's doable at the end of the day. So already with that sharp contrast, you can kind of see where Saturn's energy usually gets a really bad reputation for being kind of like the, the joy kill of the party, so to speak. 
or the buzzkill in some other cases as well, too. And um, I can see where that can be the case because a lot of people would love to, I mean, everybody really loves to find things that are hopeful, that are, you know, that inspire growth, you know, or they, they love the planets and the archetypes that are helpful and hopeful and inspire growth and are really optimistic for the future. And unfortunately, Saturn is one of those planets along with, uh, with Mars and with Pluto where not so much the case. Uh, it's more pretending the doom and gloom, or in this case, really the practical down-to-earth matters of reality that it gets kind of a not-so-sexy vibe and also a really, like I said, just a bad reputation all the way around. The other reason why it gives it, it has such a bad reputation that precedes it is that it also has, so like the general associations I just remembered my astrology teacher really imparted more than anything that when you see Saturn, when you see that Saturn glyph, that means challenges. It also means restrictions. And it also means your karma's catching up to you. Now, can you see how I kind of got confused or how my head had a hard time wrapping around Saturn and what it meant? Because, I mean, first and foremost, with karma, I mean, karma, we tend to understand as, you know, look, what you give is what you get. And I mean, that's, that's also, that's from, that's very biblical. That's also, I mean, it's equally biblical as well as it's very new age in its concept and very Buddhist, very Hindu. And also even believe it or not, even pagan sects have um, the belief in karma as well too. And, you know, again, we kind of understand it as you give something out, you get it right back. You know, everything, you know, it's like everything has consequences. But unfortunately, uh, even when it comes down to karma, it's not so clear cut as that. There are some discussions when it comes to karma that actually you can fix your own karma. Actually, your karma is very malleable, that it's actually very, you can actually reform it, so to speak. So say that you do throw soup at somebody and obviously you've garnered a lot of bad karma for yourself. Well, you can fix that karma by doing something good to fix that bad karma that came your way. So, I mean, again, when it comes down to karma, not so really clear cut when it comes to Saturn. It's like, okay, yeah, it brings about the karma, but, you know, it brings about the karma, karma's fluid. Um, so what else is there? And to have something, to have somebody say that there's challenges. Well, I think I remembered when I first looked at charts, I was like, okay, so what sort of challenges does it pretend? Or what sort of challenges does it seem to give? And of course, the answer with my astrology teacher was, oh, it just depends on the house it's out, 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 or, you know, depends on the, on the house in which it's floating around, which not always very helpful either. And then, of course, you know, again, restrictions like, okay, so what sort of restrictions does it does it give? So already right there, um, there were a lot more questions than there were answers as well, too. I would say that um, in my experiences with Saturn, however, I have gained more knowledge, but, you know, it's very... I can see where this could be a very daunting planet when you first meet up with it because of its really broad associations and how they have many, many, many definitions with it. So the first source for this week that I actually came up to was actually Joanne Martin Woolfolk. Now, even though I'm a little suspicious of the title of her book, The Only Astrology Book You'll Ever Need, I have found that it is a great resource and it was the book that I really have started my journey with when it comes to astrology. But with according to Joanne Martin Woolfolk, Saturn is uh, the planet of responsibility and of hard work. And one big quote that she had mentioned that really stood out and was very glaring for me in my situations with Saturn, uh, whether it had been a Saturn return or just, you know, a transit, you know, just transit wise with me, is that Saturn disciplines us until we can discipline ourselves. 
So while it's that planet of discipline and hard work, and we tend to, you know, see its influence as, hey, bring, you know, bring that discipline, bring it, bring all that onto us, you know, especially if we're feeling irresponsible or if we're feeling we're not meeting our goals for the week or we're just feeling a little slump, you know, sometimes when we turn to Saturn for that discipline and to gain that hard work, this is where Saturn's main uh, main lesson lies where it, you know, it actually disciplines us, puts down the challenges for us until we learn how to do things ourselves. And the discipline is very harsh discipline at that. I'll give you a great example. Um, so Saturn in 2019, you know, like these last three years, basically. Uh, so in 2019 entered my sixth house in Capricorn now, with compared to my natal Saturn, which is in my third house in Libra, that was obviously a really bad square already. So that meant my natal Saturn and the current transit of Saturn, they weren't, they weren't really getting along. And the one way in which they weren't getting along was, so at that time, I had really cultivated a sort of activism, or I was very active to where I was almost athletic. So I'd walk you know, all the way, you know, like a couple of miles or at least, at least a mile a day. And I'd also had joined a couple of dance communities at that time. So again, very physically active. What had happened to me as of June of 2019 was that my work, my profession was catching up to me in my foot. As if that wasn't enough, I took up Kundalini yoga, thinking that that might be a great, insightful form of movement. I was kind of bored. I'll just admit to it. Well, it wasn't the brightest decision that I made, and, and uh, the Kriya that I was doing at the time wasn't the best. And I wasn't really great at listening to my body at that time because I sprained my ankle uh, on top of having low-grade tendonitis form in my perineal tendon. So it was definitely a double ouch. As if that wasn't enough. I mentioned that I was very active. Well, when you have a sprained ankle or you have tendonitis form in your ankle, the first thing that a podiatrist or an orthopedic surgeon is going to recommend is that you rest it. So what that meant for me was I went from having a very physically active life to sitting on my can, like good portion of the day. And I would have to say, I really felt Saturn's influence, the discipline, so to speak, and that harsh discipline at that in the first, oh, like the first two months, you know, even when I was seeing a physical therapist in those first two months, it was so hard for me to bear that. But what came afterwards? Well, I think it was so hard for me that I ended up not learning my lesson towards my birthday on my birthday, I walked around the Botanic Gardens. It was way too much for my ankle. Went, slid all the way back to square one. Unfortunately, I also had my physical therapist at that time completely abandon me as well too. So I had to go for another physical therapist. But the good news about this was I was starting to learn that the biggest lesson that Saturn was giving to me was that Obviously, I did not have very many physical boundaries, and I pushed myself past my limitations quite often, whether it was in my profession or whether it was recreationally or just even a little of both. And so the hard lesson, even though, like I said, I'm very physically active, the hardest lesson of all was to step back and really listen to my body especially when it came down to when I was able to walk and, you know, try to walk, um, even in like short spurts, I really had to just kind of step back and make sure that I wasn't pushing it or that I wasn't going too far too soon. And that I was minding, you know, kind of working with my body to heal it. And I also had a really awesome physical therapist that really helped me out in that process. But the more that I learned, I just remembered the more that I learned, the more that I found to help me deal with having to sit around and rest. You know, there was also chair cardio. There were a lot of chair regimens that were great for exercise. 
And then on top of which, I mean, along with listening to my body, I was able to expand the distance. And also with the help of my physical therapist, I was able to expand the distance that I could walk. Now, um, I, you know, I, I grew and grew and grew. Now I could, I can't, I still can't really walk the same distance that I used to way back in the day, but it was much farther than what I could manage in those first three months. So the reason why I point this out is that, you know, again, sixth house being that of health, especially, and not only that, but also of coworkers. I mean, for me, I definitely had some challenges when it came to my health. And I just point this out because again, with Saturn, it was a great example of Saturn disciplining me and also laying down that challenge for me as well too, the challenge of not being able to move around and being physically active until I was able to listen to my body and, um, and until I was able to discipline myself or I was able to you know, hear out for myself, my limitations of my physical body, which was a great lesson that I really could learn and that I still impart with me to this very day, especially now since I'm, I have just recovered from surgery. I've just been cleared, but there are times where I still, you know, I still have these big ideas for exercise and I still have to whittle that down and say, um, not yet. Not yet. It's like, don't, don't push it too far just yet. Not yet in due time, but not yet. So, um, definitely the good news is yes, you can discipline yourself. You can get to that point, but with Saturn, it takes a long time. And I think that's another point that I would like to add with John Martin Wolfolk with Saturn, your lessons and the discipline that comes with those lessons comes over time. It's not a quick lesson that you learn right away because whatever is thrown down at you, you don't know what will be thrown at you when it comes to that. You don't know what sort of karma you may have accrued until you're there, really, which can make that's also another situation that can cause a bad reputation for Saturn and cause many astrologers to say, oh, God, this is a malefic planet. But again, um, it does have its positives. It does have its upsides. With that, along, so I found this to also be very interesting. Along with being a father figure to Jupiter, Neptune, and Pluto, Saturn was also known as Father Time that put endings to beginnings. I think this goes rather nicely with the we discipline, or Saturn disciplines us until we can discipline ourselves. Normally, Saturn's influence bites us hard when we have great beginnings, you know, such as with my example, I really loved being very active. I was almost like a professional dancer to being an athlete as well, too. And when um, Saturn's influence hit, it was definitely that ending to that beginning in there, because again, I wasn't listening to my body and I had no idea I wasn't doing that until I had my injury. And, you know, again, I had to learn how to, I think, you know, again, I feel like with Saturn, he brings an end to the beginnings in the regard that it's kind of to help us balance out our lives in a really strange and very interesting way. But you know, to kind of balance out our lives and put more perspective in there. And it might not seem like it at the time when we're dealing with the challenge that uh, Saturn throws at us, but it's definitely a lesson, a good lesson that really we can use learning. It's like, if we never learn this lesson, we just, we don't grow as individuals when it comes to our lives. So as I've mentioned earlier, Saturn's also known for being the planet of diligence. It's also known as being that planet of self-control. So it'd be great, like say, if you're on a diet to check out Saturn's position in your chart and, and you know, when it comes to transits and how that relates to your natal Saturn, um, especially when it comes to self-control, when it comes maybe to food cravings. But I also think self-control when it comes to 
meeting goals every day and also meeting your work tasks every day and doing what's needed of you. It's also known as the planet of maturity, knowing that it's a very sobering planet at that as well, too. It's kind of like the the elder, you know, like the elder planet out of all the planets, really. And also realism, as I've mentioned earlier, where Jupiter is like the kid that likes to idealize and bring things into fruition, whereas Venus is kind of the same, where it's like it wants to be that happy face, that smiley face, Mercury, Sun, and the moon, all of our personal planets, even, you know, even Mars can give us like a little bit of hope every now and then where those planets are really like the kids. Saturn is like the, the Debbie Downer, as we've mentioned earlier, you know, with that realism, it's really, okay, this is nice kids. The, you know, the, all these things that, you know, you're coming up with all these grand ideas. That's really nice kids, but how about doing something that's realistic? And as I've said, that's where a lot of astrologers say it's, it's like the, the Debbie Downer of all the, of all the planets, really. Um, but you know, again, with that realism, sometimes we do need that in our charts. You know, if we didn't, if we don't have the realism, we don't have the spark of how to carry, we don't have the vessel of how to carry our passions or we don't have the vessel of how to carry out our ideas. And, you know, if we were just, if it were left to all the other planets, especially Neptune or like uh, Jupiter, you know, we'd have a lot of great ideas, but know where to go with them. And I just, I feel like with Saturn, it's really Saturn's that plant or that vehicle where it kind of, it is that vehicle where we can kind of get our ideas into fruition and kind of get our our motivations off the ground as well, too. It's, it's kind of that planet where it has a destination definitely in mind. And that was the other reason why I thought, you know, Saturn being in control of time, being father time was also interesting. You know, we definitely have when Saturn hits our charts, just so especially transits, we definitely have like a, a definite space and time or we have to, we have a destination that we need to go to in our lives, which is interesting. But of course, seeing diligence and self-control, Saturn would not be very happy with me right now. I might be up for a couple of lessons, you know, even though it's moved from my sixth house to my seventh house. I think I might be up for a couple of lessons here pretty soon because, um, self-discipline control. I've been a procrastinator lately. So I think I'm, I'm kind of up for renewal when it comes to those factors. John Martin Wolfolk also mentions how Saturn is that task maker, you know, and I've mentioned karma earlier and challenges, but she states that Saturn teaches the lessons we must learn in life. As I had mentioned earlier with the example with my ankle, um, sometimes those lessons, though, are really hard lessons for us to deal with. Um, these are the lessons that we, you know, while we're prepared to learn a lesson, these are the lessons that we're really never, ever prepared to live or never, ever prepared to deal with. Mainly it's because these are the lessons that we kind of shove under the rug a lot of the time. And Saturn kind of forces us to confront them. Or we're just, like I said, simply like with my ankle, I simply wasn't aware that I was over taxing myself physically. I thought the more that I move, the more that I get exercise, the better off I'll be, you know, all the way around in health. And, you know, you don't realize that things break down until they actually break down, unfortunately. But along with Saturn, um, you know, even though it doesn't feel like it, Saturn only gives us as much as we can handle in that given moment. So when we are faced with a challenge with Saturn, we can always keep that in mind that as much as it seems unbearable and over overkill all the way around, it's really the amount of a lesson that we need at that given time. It, you know, Saturn does not give us lessons that we can't overcome or that we just that will drown in, you know, at least, you know, with Saturn, it, it's that planet cha challenges where it's giving us more 
than what we're accustomed to, mainly to help us grow as human beings. We don't grow unless we get that great challenge. And sometimes that's a challenge that we don't really care for, nor that we like either. You know, we might grumble through it, we might complain through it, or just simply take it to task or, you know, do all three. But, you know, again, we don't grow until we're, we're faced with it, we're gripped with it. And then effort is what we learn from. Whatever we learn from Saturn is what we keep for the rest of our lives. And as I, as I mentioned, you know, from 2019, I'm still keeping my lessons. Another Saturnine time of mind was when I first had my first whereabouts of generalized anxiety disorder. I was like 16 to 17 years old. And um, to make a long story short, stargazers, I had to take a page from a lot of what therapists were doing at the time and what still is therapy for anxiety at that time, which is confronting the fear and the fear in of itself. It's kind of like white knuckling the fear, so to speak. I ended up doing that a lot of the time, and I know it sounds very cruel, but it really helps when it comes to coping skills, and it really helps when it comes to progressing forward. But in first encompassing that when I was 17 was very tough. And the fact that with Saturn, Saturn is also the planet where you learn these lessons alone. This is not a lesson that you learn with somebody. And actually with Saturn, it's kind of like an isolative or kind of an isolating planet, so to speak, in the regard that the lessons that you learn, you learn alone, that no one can help you. And it's kind of frustrating because no one can help you with these lessons or all these challenges that are being thrown at you, you have to learn them. And I feel like that is the greatest sense of growth and accomplishment. But yeah, with generalized anxiety disorder, I I learned lessons that I still, still use to this day. Um, in fact, I was going back and dusting some of those lessons off when I was confronted with anxiety again after surgery about a month, uh, month ago. And it really helped me out um, in just dealing with what were major hurdles at that time. But uh, I sometimes, even when I'm just at a, a psycho-emotional low point or just a low point in my life, I go back to that time. And it's, it's kind of affixed in my memory. I just feel like it was probably due to another Saturnine influence, heavy Saturnine influence at that, that was going on in my chart at the time. I also looked up uh, Heather Ariel, um, not only when it came to her oracle cards from the fundamentals of astrology, but also the booklet that came with it because she gives a lot of great personal information. And she mentions she has to add the one thing that she has to add is that Saturn really slows you down. So when you have a Saturn influence in your chart, it really slows you down and it makes you drive the speed limit. It makes you take a look at the foundation you're building and see if it's truly strong. And I think along with John Townley, she mentions it's a, the time and place where you can find a stable, it's a good idea to find a stable point in your life. She actually likens uh, Saturn's influence to a house. Find that stable pillar that you can stand on so that when you're the you know old house comes crumbling down, you have something to hold on to so to speak. And I also, that's just that building that foundation, you know, she adds, and I think she adds this with Townley where building a foundation to where you can actually build a home that can soar up to the sky, but making sure that you build the foundation of your issues to where it remains, your tr where you remain strong. It's not about your house remaining strong. It's not about everything outside of you remaining strong. It's about you remaining strong despite all the challenges that this taskmaker is throwing your way all the time. So I know what you guys are thinking. You're like, okay, Sandra, this is great for general astrology. And this is great for transits and predictive astrology. But what about synastry? What about relationship astrology? Well, I hear you, stargazers. And I, I have a, a, actually a confession to make. So when I was making the Am I a Marriage Material episode and, you know, kind of coming up with the, the notes uh, for that, that particular episode, both for parts one and part two, 
I remembered I could, I did consider Saturn when it came down to fidelity. And the reason being is that it's a very constant planet. You know, it's that planet of being faithful, being dutiful, and being very stable and mature, like being that stable, mature ground that every, that you not only should have inside yourself, but also that could be a great stable foundation for your partner as well. Your partner could rely on you and trust you with that, with being faithful and also having that fidelity in the relationship. However, what changed my mind was that um, when I did look it up, a lot of astrologers came to similar conclusions as with CathayAstrology.com. And with CathayAstrology.com, they mentioned that when it comes down to Saturn and the Sinistry chart, if you have one person who has their personal planet, so if they have either Sun, Moon, Mercury, Venus, or Mars, conjunct Saturn especially, or if it's also in a position with Saturn, with the other person's Saturn, any position, what normally happens is that that person, the, per, the personal planet person, can really learn from the Saturnine person or the Saturn person. And they can learn great, profound things in the relationship. So not only is this person strong and stable and very, you know, very faithful in the relationship, but also you're learning great insights from this person so that they're just amazing. They're like the amazing mystics of the, of the relationship. Well, as the relationship kind of progresses over time, you know, what ends up happening is that when two partners learn from each other, they evolve. So what happens with a Saturn relationship is that as the personal planet person evolves, so as they take those lessons from the Saturn person, Saturn doesn't like change. That's the only, the, one of the biggest drawbacks when it comes to synastry, hates change. So when that person changes, that's where the Saturnine person starts becoming very restrictive. And they start putting up walls around that personal planet person. And an example that was made within Cafe Astrology was that there was one person that one of the authors knew who had her moon conjunct her partner Saturn. And she had a great sense of humor and really a great infectious laugh. And she was just very joyful all the time. She met her partner, thought that her partner also had a great sense of humor. In fact, he really did too. And she learned a lot of great witty, you know, sorts of ways to tell jokes and how to impart things in a nice, witty, humorous way. Well, as she was doing that, the Saturnine person grew threatened and started to put her down in public. And these, these were public events. These were like parties, like black tie cocktail parties. But he would put her down in front of all the guests at this party and make her feel as though she were silly and foolish to be even cracking jokes to begin with. Yeah, complete reversal. And as if that was not enough, I mean, it, it just, it kind of came to where this husband kept boxing this person in to where she became humorless or completely humorless. And um, I think the biggest hardship with this relationship was that she felt very, you know, constrained and very controlled at that, especially with um, the moon being near Saturn, a very, very personal planet being near Saturn. Emotionally, she felt very controlled by this guy and found it very hard to leave him. However, the relationship did dissolve because of his controlling ways. And the Saturn person also started to complain that now she wasn't humorous enough, you know, as if, you know, here she was, she's developing a sense of humor and then suddenly she's humorless and now she's not humor, you know, now she's, she doesn't have enough sense of humor. Um, it's kind of similar to, I don't, you know, I don't know how many um, individuals or how many stargazers out there have actually watched the movie Rebecca, Alfred Hitchcock's classic. Uh, definitely, definitely contact me if you have. Um, but uh, when it comes to Rebecca, Sir Laurie Olivier's character with Irene Bergman's character 
is a great, great classic example of a Saturnine relationship. You know, he, he's very mature. He's very worldly to this young, you know, to Irene Bergman's character, who's very innocent and very juvenile in comparison as she moves through and starts to learn more about his ex-wife, Rebecca, throughout the movie in various ways. I'm not going to give every plot twist and turn, but uh, he starts to become even more controlling and starts to really become unhinged and unglued at his young new wife's, you know, little idiosyncrasies. Um, it starts to come up to a point that to where at the end, you know, towards the end, he starts to look at his young wife and say, oh, you've lost your innocence. Whatever so happened to your innocence? And, of course, the answer to that was, well, you kind of wiped it out of her. So, and that's definitely a very classic example for me of a very Saturn, Saturnine relationship is that, you know, that Saturn person gets to be rather controlling and can actually wipe anything away from their partner. So again, that's, that was one reason why I didn't want to mention Saturn in, you know, marriage, you know, am I marriage material? But the second is that um, also the personal planet person may feel obligated to be with that Saturn person to where they feel like they're in this controlling relationship, but they can't leave. And sometimes I feel like in this sort of relationship, it's a Saturn person who usually initiates the departure unless that person happens to feel extremely lifeless and unhappy in that relationship. Then they initiate the change and then they, then they cut the ties as well too. But definitely in a Saturn relationship, what I would urge is that first off, the Saturn person has to confront why exactly they feel threatened when um, they fe- they see progress in somebody because usually that's rooted in childhood experiences and they have to confront that. The personal planet person also has to have their own individual, as much as they're learning from the Saturn person, you have to have your own personal backbone when in this relationship. Otherwise, you're not going to survive. This, this Saturn person is going to take over everything and again, you know, at its worst, you can become a very lifeless person in the relationship because it gets to a point where it gets very restrictive and very controlling. And I kind of feel like it's up to that personal planet person to also hold the Saturn person, hold their feet to the fire and make sure that they're learning some lessons in the long term. Again, with the Saturn relationship, it's definitely one of challenges, restrictions, also that of both persons are going to have to really evolve when it comes to both the highs and the lows with the relationship and holding each other accountable for what they're learning as well, too. John Townley, ironically, gives a, a very interesting and rosy sort of associations when it comes down to our taskmaker. So according to Townley, He mentions that, whereas Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and even Neptune concern what you want in relationships, and as we mentioned earlier, the kind of like the ideals, the dreams, Saturn gets its bad rep by bringing things to the relationship that are realistic. And he goes on to say that it's the brass tacks. You know, what you bring to the relationship or basically what Saturn represents in your sinistry chart are the brass tacks that you bring to the relationship, the realistic obligations that you'd like. So instead of, you know, for example, instead of wanting Mr. Darcy um, or Mr. Knightley or even Mr. Willoughby to come out of the, the fog and to sweep you off your feet and carry you off into the sunset, Saturn's expectations are more like, I'd rather have somebody, it's like, you know, I've had failed experiences where people have pretended to be the Sir Lancelot or the Mr. Darcy type of character. I would rather prefer having somebody who's honest, first and foremost, doesn't have guises when they come to the relationship. But also, you know, I would prefer, you know, Saturn kind of brings those things such as, I want honesty. I want somebody who has a good sense of humor. I want somebody who 
will be faithful. I want somebody who will be committed. You know, again, those really realistic things that we don't think about when we're in fantasies, those are the things that we, those are our, our brass tacks, so to speak, that we bring to the relationship. Talley also mentions that where much of our lives are comprised of hopes, plans, dreams, desires, wishes, and expectations, Saturn describes what actually happens to them, which I can see where this can get the bad reputation. It's not very sexy, and it's not very romantic when we get right down to it. You know, when we bring our hopes and dreams to the table, most of the time when it comes to relationships, you know, the Saturnine aspect of it is, you know, whereas like for me, for instance, where I wanted in my 20s to have Mr. Darcy or to have a Heathcliff sort of character, do not ask me about the Heathcliff sort of character. I've, I've evolved since then, but uh, why I want Heathcliff or why I want Dracula in the, the mix there, um, let's just say I had a very gothic moment. I had some very gothic tastes romantically. But, you know, whereas I want all these really big dreams and really what I thought was really super romantic actually bailed, actually fizzled. And the reason for why? Well, you know, uh, Mr. Dar- Mr. Darcy, Mr. Knightley, I feel like um, when it came down to one of my boyfriends at the time, while he was whiny and while he was very childish, I think he did one thing that he failed to communicate, but I think he was somewhat getting there, was somewhat communicating this to me, but not really getting to it, was that people are far more realistic than that. And what that means is, you know, when you have ideals, well, people aren't perfect. It's just like with the marriage, with marriages, there is no such thing as a perfect marriage um, because that's assuming that two people are perfect. No one's perfect. And that's what Saturn really brings to the table, which, again, when we're dealing with dreams, not very sexy, right? Well, um, it's basically also with Talley, he mentions what your realistic expectations will be in the relationship. And if Saturn is well positioned, can be a point of relationship where you guys can rely on each other. So um, kind of like, uh, I, I think I might have touched this a little bit earlier uh, with the fidelity, but it could bring a fidelity as long as, you know, kind of like with Mars and with Venus, as long as there is a good point or like good soft aspects between each other's Saturn positions. So, you know, when it comes to the relationship, make sure that when it comes down to brass tacks, that um, your partner and yourself might have like either a trined relationship with each other or a sextile relationship with each other. Um, I think also a Saturn conjunct Saturn relationship can bring a little bit of an interesting situation as well, too. I think the Saturn conjunct Saturn could be very restricted. You know, there can come those restrictions in and of itself and pretty heavy restrictions at that. But I also could see where both partners could bring a sense of fidelity to the other partner that the other partner didn't really realize. And um, they, the relationship could have that potential to grow as well, too. If you do, so I'm going to say this, Stargazers, if you do want to factor Saturn into your composite charts when it comes to marriage, um, I would say have at it. That's your, that's on you. That's your decision to make. Um, personally, I'm not so sure. Like I said, again, just note that with Saturn, there is that double-edged sword. Um, particularly, I would just say, um, when it comes down to those personal planets, if it's anywhere near there, just heed with caution. You know, while there is fidelity in that relationship, there also could be a lot of restrictions as well, too. You know, a ton of restrictions to where it can almost be kind of controlling a little bit there. But John Townley also mentions the same thing as what CafeAstrology.com had mentioned. If Saturn is not well positioned, you know, with your other partner's Saturn placement, it can be a point of, you know, you know, where people tend to fail each other. They can sap each other's energies physically and emotionally. And it can also highlight the insecurities as opposed to what works in the relationship, just because of that restrictive nature that I was describing earlier. And he mentions, again, the house 
again, um, with Saturn in the relationship, this can be a great point where both you and your partner can have a great pillar to hold on to in that house so that you're um, both standing strong and you can build your foundation and your relationship up to the sky as opposed to having a relationship that lasts for a couple of weeks before it becomes a house of sand and you have no nothing to hold on to as well too. So um, I think with John Telly, he's mentioning that, yes, it could be a planet that can indicate uh, definite fidelity as long as the Saturn placements are in well alignment with each other to each other's partner charts. All right, Stargazers, I'm going to pause for the cause. And I would actually like to see a chart of somebody who I haven't checked out in quite some time, and that is of Lisa Rinna and Harry Hamlin. So hang in there, and we will be right back. All right, Stargazers, welcome back. So... Looking at the chart of both Harry Hamlin and Lisa Rinna. So if you're not familiar with Lisa Rinna, I'd say Beverly Hills Housewives or the Housewives of Beverly Hills. She's featured on there. Um, she and her husband are actually featured on that show. Um, Lisa and Harry actually have been pretty active when it comes down to their acting work as well too i think harry was set to play a recent representation of tom brokaw while lisa i think a couple of years back she was actually in an um, episode of the middle i think she was in the young of the young and the restless which is where she also made her start so Definitely. And um, she's also known for some of her brand names on Shop HQ. So she's not just an actor. She's also a entrepreneur on top of that selling. So she sells, she, she's known for selling dusters. Um, but I think she also sells, she has a lip line actually that's coming out. Um, I think also recently she added a lip plumper to her Lisa Rinna lip line. So, I mean, just really... Just very astounding to me. I, I know I, I mean, I, I barely can write a screenplay sometimes, or I barely, there, there are just days where I barely can do anything outside of just chilling and relaxing, especially these, these last couple of days. So it's, uh, for me, it's like, wow, that's really awesome. But uh, to reintroduce them, Lisa actually has her son in cancer. Her ascendant in Gemini and her moon in Pisces. So what that represents to me is that both the sun and the moon combination, they're both in watery, very watery signs. So definitely in touch with her emotions is really what comes across for me with Lisa Rinna. I also think an added source of wisdom with that moon in Pisces. She's not afraid to dig deep inside herself. She's also not afraid to dig deep when it comes to imparting wisdom and imparting her advice or her knowledge when it, you know, when it comes down to other people. Also, if people do ask her for advice, um, it's really you know, a lot of her advice does come from a sage amount of wisdom. And usually that sage amount of wisdom is something that she has experienced as well, too. And knowing that her moon is also in her seventh house on her descendant, whether she's imparting this knowledge as a friend or whether she's imparting this knowledge as a coworker or even just as a spouse, um, this is definitely in that planet of, or in that house of relationships. And I mean, that's of close relationships, close friendships, marriages. So she's very happy to impart that and in no way, shape or form are these sort of pieces of, of advice used to let anyone astray? You know, you can definitely be assured that when she does give you advice, it's really, it comes from the heart and it comes from a genuine place as well, too. Of course, her uh, ascendant being in Gemini, Gemini is very communicative. Uh, Lisa Rinna is known for being such as that, but I, I also just think um, an ascendant in Gemini, really communication is very very highly important to this individual. 
I would also say this individual comes across as being fun and spontaneous and just kind of really just, like I said, just kind of, I don't want to say bounce off the walls, but just, just fun and spontaneous, really. And very adventurous as well, too. Willing to do things that are new in life to kind of keep it fresh, really kind of keep it up. In contrast, Harry Hamlin, so his his moon and his sun are both within Scorpio. So this guy is definitely very private, um, but also a ascendant in Virgo. So like I said, again, moon and sun being in Scorpio, very private, very, very selective as to whom he allows in his life. And especially with that Virgo ascendant, the Virgo ascendant, what he likes to impart out into the world is that he is well put together, whether appearance wise or also just life wise as well too, that he has a good family, a great support system. You know, you won't see Harry Hamlin walk out of the house in pajamas. You won't see him walk out of the house disheveled or um, I what I notice about him, even on camera, not one hair is out of place on his head, literally. Not one hair is out of place in his head. His beard is well, if he was wearing a beard or if he's sporting a beard at the time, it's well groomed. I mean, it's just like everything is, it's just like, just so, like everything is in place. But I think above all, family and having a sense of loyalty um, with family and also with friends is very important to Harry Hamlin. So definitely, I would say what makes this relationship work between the sun and the moon signs, I say that, you know, with the sun and the moon um, being in Scorpio for Harry, I find that he would find Lisa Rinna's, you know, um, her openness to sharing wisdom, her openness towards being compassionate towards others to be rather attractive uh, with her moon in Pisces. Also with her son being in cancer, I think what would draw um, him to her is that she's also willing to be vulnerable and very willing to be open, um, even though he might not like the the fun, spontaneous external personality that Lisa Rinna has. I think he can make do with the fact that she has a very deep, inner, wonderful, beautiful heart inside. And I think that's what he loves about her more than anything. The one thing that was interesting about their Venus placements, both uh, with Lisa and with Harry, Harry's Venus placement is in his second house. So definitely money and controlling the funds or having at least a say in the funds is very important to Harry Hamlin um, with Saturn being in there. And with that said, too, when it comes down to funds, he kind of keeps it. He's probably one to most likely he's one to save when it comes to money and monetary finances. Lisa, on the other hand, has her Saturn uh, position in Aquarius. So actually, both of their Saturn positions are really well met. But um, being in Aquarius in the ninth house, again, probably um, and also actually on the midheaven, too. So. Saturn being on the midheaven, that's where I can see where her business tactic is rock solid and really hardcore, especially being on Shop HQ, like rock solid, hardcore. Um, when she dedicates herself to something, when it comes to business, whether that's by acting or whether that's launching a lip care line or lip line or whether that's launching a clothing line, she's, she's there front and center. Um, I'd say with uh, Saturn, she's very disciplined when it comes to making money, generating money, and being career-oriented. Also being in the ninth house, um, very serious when it comes down to travel. I'd say maybe a challenge with her would be when it comes to traveling, she might have a bit, you know, while she takes traveling for work very seriously, I think that really when it comes down to travel – she might have kind of a conflict with that because it separates her away from her family, um, separates her away from her home life. It could disrupt her home life a little bit as well. Also, when it comes down to really expanding the mind and learning new things, 
she's very dedicated, very principled when it comes down to that. She's very hard set when it comes into that. And also looking at things logically too is very important to her. Looking at things with facts, with um, things that can be backed up within a book or something that could be backed up, backed up with facts and resources is really Lisa Rinna's thing. So sorry about the tongue twister there uh, for a minute there. But between um, Lisa and Harry's Saturn positions alone, they're actually in good alignment. Um, they're both trying each other, meaning that Lisa's Saturn position in uh, Aquarius being an air sign is well suited with Harry's Saturn position being in Libra, also another air sign. And with Harry, of course, I also forgot to mention Saturn is actually at its height in Libra, which would be good news for me because that's where my Saturn's position is. But uh, anyway, with Harry Hamlin's Saturn position being in Libra, I'd say definitely hardcore justice. This person, justice and being fair are really two tenets that are very, very important to this individual. So when it comes down to fairness, I think um, that would pair very well with the logic that Lisa Rinna likes to have. Also, um, the heart, I think with Lisa Rinna, her hard work ethic, her willingness to learn, to expand her mind, to keep an open mind at that really works very well for Harry Hamlin. Um I mean, I think for him, it's, you know, if somebody has an open mind, that's very important for the Libran aspect within, you know, within, um, within him. I also think that, um, when it comes to Saturn in, you know, Libra, a lot of that person's mind is geared towards being fair, being just, and making sure everyone is satisfied everyone's happy so the last thing that's really needed is drama and of course that's one thing libra um abhors with um lisa's placement of saturn being an aquarius there's no drama there's very little drama as a matter of fact which is which actually works very well for them i'd say when it comes down to brass tacks i think for lisa someone who's really open to her burgeoning businesses because um, businesses require not only a matter of realism, but also a matter of kind of thinking outside the box, which definitely is very Aquarian right there. But, you know, the fact that she's continually thinking outside the box and also taking chances as well too, I think um, that's, it's very important to her to have somebody who would support that. And who would be very supportive of that for her. As I'd mentioned earlier with Harry Hamlin, the brass tacks for him would be somebody who's not only open-minded, but also someone who I would say is also well put together as well too, especially with Saturn being in the second house. Um, definitely having somebody who's well, who's practical, who's well put together um, who's just not flying off on a limb when it comes to money or just spending money when it comes into sight. Um, that's very important to him, but also again, somebody who is very fair and who's very just as well too, um, or somebody who can be fair or who can kind of go along with him while he's making a very hard decision in fairness, um, is also very important to him. Even though, um, you know, Saturn can be um, in squared uh, to Lisa Rinna's, you know, sun and Mercury position, which can indicate a sense of restriction right there. Sometimes I feel like Lisa Rinna can be rather, you know, can feel rather restricted. What's also interesting is that um, Harry Hamlin's squares also with um Uranus also being conjunct there. So while he's encouraging Lisa to voice her opinions and be herself, there's also a sense of restrictiveness. Like she shouldn't be mentioning things out in public as much. I think that this is a place where Lisa and Harry would have had to have very deep conversations about what is important in the relationships. Like one thing for Lisa would be being able to express, you know, with Mercury being right next to her son being able to express herself. And then of course, having the Gemini ascendant on top of that, 
being able to express herself often is also very important and having that free reign in doing so. I could see where that would have been a point of hardship um, in the relationship early on, but I, you know, understanding that, that the two, that their brass tacks are really kind of, the brass tacks of Saturn are really kind of well met. I think they really could, could work it out and work it out practically and logically as well too. The other thing that also struck me was that Lisa's uh, Saturn's position was also in opposition to Harry's Pluto's position. Sometimes that can indicate a sense of, you know, so a sense of control and power since both planets are all about control, whereas Pluto's more about, you know, control and power as opposed to where Saturn's just all about, you know, really reforming everything. Um, I could see where there would be a lot of um, issues with control or issues with reform. You know, one person would accuse the other of being controlling in the relationship. Again, I just, you know, I really think that since there's a lot of things that really work out for them, I think, again, being able to sit down and talk it out using, again, using logic, using facts, using their heads, and not really just their emotions in that moment, I really think can help to iron those factors out. But, you know, I just, I found that this uh, Saturn placement was very, very interesting between the two partners. And they seem to have a very, you know, astrologically, I would love to explore their chart even more because I know, you know, with the show, they seem to have a very tight knit relationship. But thus far, what I've seen with their chart, that seems to, that seems to reflect that, but it would be nice to look at it a little bit more further down the line with future episodes. So more to come when it comes to Lisa Rinna and Harry Hamlin. So stargazers, what have we learned? What can we take when it comes to Saturn or what, uh, what sort of lessons when it comes to Saturn can we take into relationships? I think for one, it's good to be realistic about relationships the more realistic that we are, the less we are able to get disappointed. Um, I think, you know, Saturn reminds us of this, of when we go into relationships, you know, a relationship. Make sure that you have your ideals in mind, but also have the realistic tendencies in mind. The more well-balanced that you are between the two, again, less likely you are to be disappointed when somebody lets you down and they're not the ideal. You know, if they're not the ideal, at least you have the realistic and sometimes that can be, sometimes that can actually be far more fulfilling than just the ideal and the ideals alone. Um, ideals can be great for defining some relationships, but I think the hard tacks are really what, what are to be looked out for. Um, definitely the hard or the brass tacks, so to speak, I think really speak they really define the ideals a little bit better. They funnel the ideals a bit better to where you find a, a better partner all the way around. I think in relationships, Saturn only gives us what we can handle, even when it's with someone else's placement. So when you're dealing with um, challenges in the relationship, again, Saturn only gives us what we can handle when it comes to that challenge. It's not going to be unbearable. It's not going to last forever. As something that you got, the two of you can work out and overcome when it comes to that hurdle. And then I just mentioned in my notes, I was just like, wow, there's an explanation as to how control happens when it comes to the downside of a Saturn relationship, especially with the, you know, somebody changing and that Saturnine person not liking that and getting more restrictive. Um, I, I just, I was like, wow, that's, that's a great explanation about how controlling relationships could happen. And that's, that's good to know. Well, Stargazers, I hope that this hour and four minute long pre uh, podcast and episode was really informative for you on Saturn. Uh, if you are indeed, if you do have questions and you indeed want to uh, contact me, you can do so at misek, M-I-S-E-K dot Sandra at gmail.com or at Sandra dot Misek, M-I-S-E-K on my Instagram page. You can also check me out on Patreon and make sure to become a member so that you guys can get your free Sinistry charts as well as your booklet as well too when it comes to that. 
Also becoming a member is great for the show as well too. And my Patreon page is patreon.com forward slash seventh house astrology. But above all stargazers, don't be afraid to look up at the stars. Orion's belt has actually officially shifted from the eastern half of the sky to the western half of the sky. So we are definitely in spring. I say woohoo to that. I love this time of the year. Um, and it's also just a nice sight to see when it comes to the, the, uh, the heavens. But above all, it also helps us to see, give us a great perspective and also see the origins of astrology as well, too. And above all, stargazers, between now and next time, be well, and I'll see you next time.